You can kick your fancy ales, you can drink them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. The Ringwraiths, the Nazgul, the Black Riders. All are names for the undead beings who serve the Dark Lord unswervingly. In another age of the world, the Ringwraiths were mortal men, kings who cast their lot in with the Dark Lord in exchange for rings of power. All that remains now are twisted spirits, for the Ringwraiths' bodies have faded into nothingness. Together with their leader, the Witch King of Angmar, they are known as the Nine. None of Sauron's servants are more determined to see the will of Sauron done, for the Ringwraith's very existence relies on the Dark Lord's survival. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Green Dragon Podcast, your podcast for all things Lord of the Rings strategy battle game. I'm your host, Matt, and I have here with me, Jeremy. Jeremy. Hello. Hello, listeners. I'm so glad to be here with you again, talking about the Ringwraith, my favorite. Well, actually, I like four of them. Uh, Not the other five? Just those four? Just the ones that did something at Amon Sul. Oh, very good. The rest I'm not so fussed about. Okay, and Kylie. Hoi hoi. And as you may have heard, we are discussing the Nine today. Now, in the past, we have done an episode on the Witch King, which we'll probably leave a link to somewhere, or I will later. And you can uh, click on that and check out our thoughts just on specifically the Witch King. Here, we will be talking about uh, the generic Wraith profile, as well as all the different special rules of the other Wraiths and the variations in their profiles, which there are many of. So when you say we're talking about the Nine, we're actually talking about like the Twelve or something like that. Yeah, there's a, there's a few No, profiles. we're still talking about the Nine because we're talking about the generic Ring Wraiths and then the eight other Ring Wraiths. The Witch King, since we've already done, kind of gets the boot and can go way yeah, outside. Yeah, but I wasn't on the Witch King episode, so I'm going to repeat all the information you said and make it sound like my own. Good to hear. We Do you know he's got about... a Morgul Blade? He does. We talked about that at length. I okay. think he might have a crown as well, oh, well, maybe. That sounds really good. Yeah. So, uh, we'll also talk about some fell beasts, I guess. Why not? Oh, I really want to talk about the fell beasts. Yeah? Specifically the I'm, I'm a convert. Fel-beast. Oh, the horned fell beast. I know you love the, the horned fell beast. I love what, it. What did we say the, the um, fell beasts were? Like a different bucket of fish or something stupid? A different bucket of fish. That was it. That was exactly yeah. the words that were spoken, uh, possibly, in the witching episode. We are massive fans of bucket of fish, though. Buckets of fish. Mm, delicious. Our favorite things to put in buckets. Hopefully salmon. I like salmon. True. True. So, the race. I'm partial to flake. Kylie, start us off. You know these Ringwraith profiles off by heart. What's a generic Ringwraith? Tell, tell us what it does. What does Ringwraith do? I'm going to try and do this with a, without having to look at the book. Okay, and I'm going to... Challenge accepted. I'm going to move my eyebrows if you do it wrong. All right. Move six. Correct. Fight value five. Yes. Strength four. Correct. Defense eight. Yes. One attack and one wound. Oh, both of them right. Courage six. Mm-hmm. Their might, will, and fate is either zero two. Yeah. Yep. Zero to two. Zero to two. Seven to fourteen. Mm-hmm. And zero to two for fate. Well, it All could right. actually be zero minus two. So it could actually be negative two might. It could be seven minus fourteen will, which is actually negative seven will, and then negative two fate. But other than that, perfect. So do you get extra ten points and then extra, say, thirty five points if you take those negative stats? I believe you do. That's my understanding of it. We should probably actually go through the real rules before we go and... That's incredibly people. useful if that's the case. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's bonus points, points in your army by not taking the Wraith with those stats or taking yeah. the negative stats. But the problem with negative stats is that the other person gets to call your might and do your spells. Ah, true. I forgot mm. about that. Mm. That's the worst part about it. Yeah. Their special rules, I believe, are Terror, the Will of Evil, Might, Will, and Fate. And the... Harbinger of Evil. Yes. I was trying to remember the name for it. Mm-hmm. And... I think that's all their special rules, unless they've changed one around. On my book, the Might, Will, and Fate was a special rule, yes. And they had the Will of Evil, the Harbingers of Evil, and Terror. And they've also got some magic powers. Yes. So they would have Transfix on a 3+, plus, Compel yes. on a 4+, plus, yes. Black Dart on a 5+, plus, uh-huh. Drain Courage on a 2+, plus, Sat Will on a 3+. Plus. My oh, goodness. And what's the range it. of Compel? All the spells are range 12. Oh, perfect. Damn it. I'm, I'm done. I've got 100%. no use whatsoever on this cast. You don't even need a book. I can give you the warning. You are the reason too. the source books are unavailable at the moment. <laughs> no one needs them. Kylie doesn't need them. No one needs them. I believe they can take the option of a horse for 10 points, yep. an armored horse for 15. Ooh. Wait, no. The armored horse isn't on that. Can it's we only make on the. Call on that? Doesn't have the armored horse. Correct. No armored horse. No yeah, armored horse. It's only horse. on the named ones. You can take a fell beast for 50 points. Yes. Mm-hmm. A horned fell beast for 75 and an armored hell fell beast for 70. 
Ah, but on which page of the rulebook can you find the rules for the <laughs> fell beasts? This seems like a fair and legitimate question. This sounds like one of our trivia questions for mm. tournaments. Hang on, hang on. No, no, <laughs> hang, hang, you can't no, look. No, 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 I'm not looking. <laughs> Just have a guess. Page 19. Oh, so close. 18. Oh, oh no. I'm actually amazed you were that close. Fair yeah, effort. That, that Sorry, is I, I must have thought of the... Because the Witch King's on page 18. Correct, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That was a bit of a tangent. This is why we don't like those questions and quizzes. But there we go. We love hearing about the Noah podcast. So like, this is what I tune in for podcasts. Listen to is what page uh, number things are on. Which page number things are on. That's it. That's, <laughs> that's, it. that's my favorite People part. People are currently, they have blank books and they actually sketch in everything that we say. Yeah, so I'm... they've got full rule books by now. Oh, pretty much. They might have the full Mordor book. That explains the, the spikes in listening for some of the ones where we li- read out the stats. That must be it. The older stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Ring waves are good. What are their points? 55 to 110 base plus the additional war gear. I'd say they're better than good. Yeah. I'd say they're just about the best thing in the game. Um, we couldn't actually get David on this podcast because he thinks they're the best thing in the entire game and he actually um, the entire out what he heard we're talking about ring race. <laughs> so he's sorry. We'll revive him afterwards, but he was just so excited. There's just, you can do anything with this ring race. It's good. Cheap as anything for 55 or. Well, that's Dominating a selling point. For the budget race. Uh... Yeah, the most common uh, probably way of running them is either the the old two seven one, I think. Yeah, yeah, that was that was always my favorite. I ran that on up. horse for ninety points. Yep, too easy, and it just can control an enemy hero for the entire game. So that's really interesting. The fact that you'd max out a might and keep the will and well, one fate around. One fate just in case a barter or Legolas is rocking around. So do you think that the, the might, will and fate aren't actually worth five points each? That there's a difference in there that some are worth more than others? Absolutely. I think you always take full might as much as hmm. you can. But might's, might's tangible though because like I've heard people say might's not worth five points but because you can only get so much of it, it kind of is five points. Because you got to pay for the actual hero itself, which sort of sort of balances out the fact that you're paying five points for the might. Yeah, I think mean, about other like 17, 80 point heroes that have two might. Yeah, there's not a lot, is there? There's, there's elven captains. Yeah, so they're about they're about on the money. Yeah, yeah, that's but... true. But they do have a lot of other things they can do, a lot of other tricks that yeah. they can use to control your opponent. Hence, why they're a bit more than a yeah. basic captain. Uh, true. True. Yeah, but I, I do think that having the two points of might give you incredible flexibility. And, like, you never see someone go, oh, okay, I'll take zero might, nine will, and one fate. Like, you just wouldn't see it happen because people value the might a lot more because it can help you. If you're just using it to help you pass those will rolls, it can just help you bump your will rolls. It can help you do a channel. It can help you do a heroic, heroic move, move, a heroic combat, whatever you want to do, a heroic accuracy, my favorite, all kinds of ones. As Kylie would say, it has a lot more utility. It does, and I think I it's also love tangible. That word. Yeah. Utility. I so, like will that's really not tangible. In terms, yeah, that's far less tangible than the might. Um, the the will, the will is of course the lifeblood of the ring wraiths. The more will that you give them, the longer they can survive. The more that they can can do throughout the game. So this mm. is is this the will of evil special rule? I think this is one of the best game mechanics in the game. Period. I think this interaction between the ring race will and Everything else they can do is a really, really, really cool mechanic. Mm. So basically, if they've got zero will, they're not on the board. They're gone. That's it. They're, they're dead. dead. They're yeah. dead. Poof. So it doesn't matter about the wounds. doesn't matter the defense at that point. So another rule that we haven't discussed yet, uh, the will of evil, or sorry, a secondary part to the will of evil is you lose a will point at the end of the fight phase when a ring wraith has participated in at least one fight during that phase. Yeah. So I've I've had... People, and I'm going to use a real straw man argument here. So those people have told me, and I totally disagree with this argument, but those people have said that I take my will off after I fight a combat, which is not technically true. I might choose to fight two combats in that turn by means of a heroic combat. I might choose to go fight a combat against a normal guy, have called a heroic combat, which I did at the start of the phase, of course, and then charge a ring bearer, and then not you lose any will whatsoever. So basically, at the end of the fight phase, you just do a checklist. Did the Ringwraith fight one or more combats? Yes. Were they with a Ringwraith? Yes or no. If they fought a combat and they did not fight any, uh, sorry, not Ringwraiths, Ringbearers, cross a will off. A will. One will. Just one. After all the other fights are done. And there's some that will change this rule a bit later on, but we'll get to that when we actually get to those ones. Mm -hmm. But that's the basic rule for it. Get it right, people. Get it right, straw man. I'm sick of playing against you. I want to play against a real person. Bloody Alice in Wonderland. 
Two other special rules to point out. We have the Harbinger of Evil. I've been pronouncing it Harbinger of Evil for a good decade or so. Harbinger of Evil, which is a negative one courage modifier to your opponents uh, within 12 inches of all of the ring race. This is the case for every ring race. It's also the linchpin of any Terra army that ever existed. Absolutely. It's all opponents now, isn't it? It's not just good models. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's a special rule, the good on good, evil on evil. You change anything that says friendly good models to enemy models and anything that says evil models to friendly models. So ring yep. race versus ring race, they're draining each other's courage by one. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Oh. Yeah. You change it to enemy. Because they friendly. look and say, well, I see a mirror Depending on the context That's of scary. the special. That is freaky. Well, that is really oh, scary. Be, yeah. Especially if you bring a mirror as well because then it's minus two. True. True. But they're the old dwarf rules. No, I'm just making that up. That is not entirely true. I'm just trying to throw Matt off. I didn't think it stacked with other rules. No, it doesn't No, stack. it absolutely doesn't. It does not okay. stack. No, I'm trying to throw Matt off. And finally... The generic ring wraith and all ring wraiths are terrifying. Surprise. Hello, everyone. Yeah, but I'm with the neg one to courage, it's good. Very useful. Stacks up well. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. It means that if you're trying to fight some combats, you've got a bit of insurance for people. If you're trying to run away, if you're playing like a scenario, my favorite, the Ride of the Ring Wraith ones, it's fantastic to watch the Rangers of the North fail courage against you. Brilliant. So much fun. So this is just a solid model. It does whatever you want. If you want to make it a spellcaster, you put more will on. If you want to make it a leader, you make sure it's got the full contingent of might, which you probably do anyway. If you want to, if you want to make it a combat one, you might consider a fell beast, um, and you've got plenty of different types of fell beasts. And you probably might consider some fate points depending on how important the ring wraith is to your army. Yeah, you don't want your ring wraiths ever to die with will in hand. If they die, you want them to die on one or two will or zero will. So you don't. You want to make sure that if you're going to be fighting a lot of combats, that you've got the fate to protect you so you can use your will because your will is incredibly valuable as well. It is your lifeblood, but it's also all your offense. Now, just a point I want to bring up on the horses for the ring rates and when you might consider running the horse. Personally, I think if you're running multiple ring rates, I think uh, this is generic ring rates, multiple generic rates, I think it's worth having them on foot. I don't think you necessarily uh, need the horse because if you have multiples of them, they can cover more area. They don't necessarily need the horse to get around. So if you only have the one wraith, you need that horse just to cover a bit more of the board, to have a bit more range with your spells. What are your thoughts? I always put the horse on. I always put a mount on. Oh, well, there you go. Period. I've certainly seen them run in larger groups. Uh, David has done this before. Large numbers of them on foot. So three or four wraiths, uh, cheap ones on foot. Yeah, I just think for the 10 points, you get so much versatility. You get to move it wherever you want. Sometimes your Wraith, especially when it's low on will, it becomes just a standfast battery. So you want to make sure you can move it in places. It means you can do a heroic combat with it and have a reasonably good chance of success. It means you've got more movement to hide. You can do the, I'm behind a building. I'll move out five inches. I'll throw a spell at you. Then I'll move five inches back behind the building. It gives you so much flexibility for such a low price for the horse that even if I'm just doing a support Wraith, I'm taking at least the horse. And if I'm doing combat rape, I'm taking a fell beast. Okay. So the fell beast in comparison, 40 points more, but so much more damaging. I believe the output between a fell beast and a horse is probably the difference between a Abrams tank to a small handgun. Yeah. Kyla was doing tests before and measured all that. And, and I agree with her on that. That's very true. Yeah, it sounds accurate. It also means, though, the Fell Beast, because you've got the flight, which is amazing, it also means he's more likely to be in the wrong spot. So it can also get you killed quicker as well, because you have to be reasonably conservative with it at times, because a Fell Beast doesn't like to be charged. With with the only two attacks, it will lose fights, but it will win fights. When it wins fights, it's a glorious thing. And never, never, never send the Ring Wraith over your opponent's lines solo by itself on a suicide mission to kill a target, because... I, I don't know about the rest of you, but throwing your ring wraith on foul base in for a 50-50 on the strike up against an enemy hero gives me the shivers every time. Yeah, I don't know why you would risk it. But if you throw the transfix on them, I think it's a lot of times worth it. It, it depends on the situation. Sometimes just to, to hurl that hero out of combat for three turns is worth the risk. It depends how important your wraith is. It depends what you need to do in the game. I don't think you say no to it. I've seen people do it on banners very successfully in the banner scenarios. I've seen it on, on lots of things where you pick up the banner and you hurl it through the models and no one can pick it up because it's just... Yeah, I think it's situational. Yeah. I mean, I understand what Kyle is saying because you don't want it to be completely surrounded by an enemy army that potentially has checks to it like might points and that sort of thing or other monsters or whatever the case. But yeah, there are definitely, I can think of situations where you might jump over the lines, transfix something, combat off it, back over the top maybe even. Yeah, you've got to mm. think, though, okay, so I've jumped over the lines. What happens when it goes wrong? 
And if you fail to do what you're doing, are you going to get surrounded? Did you gain anything? Is it worth the risk? And you've got to make a call on whether it's worth the risk or not. Hmm. I don't know. Every time I've seen someone, you know, swoop in over the lines with the foul beast, I've seen them, the foul beast botch the combat or fail the combat because he's up against a higher fight value hero, lose, get killed, and then the opponent becomes deflated because their 170 point giant flying dragon thing is dead and they become, yeah. Oh, I've been there. That's true, but I've been on the other side where I've just thrown it over and said, right, I've got a chance to crack their lines and really throw my opponent into a defensive formation. I'm going to go for something, and I'm going to go for a big move, and then if I lose my Fell Beast and, and my Ring Wraith, so what? So what? I've had a go at it. So I've had success with it as well. And, and yes, it's risky, but it's also rewarding. The more risk you put in, more reward a lot of times. Now, we know you've also had some success with the Horn Fell Beast. I am Please a massive about fan that. of the Horn Fell Beast. I wasn't convinced on this. You're welcome. It was, yeah, thank you. Um, it was 25 points extra. So you're looking at 50% more than the generic Fell Beast, which seems like a lot, especially when you can, like if it's just a generic ring rape, you can buy five stats for that. It's a big investment for one up for strength. But now with all the monster rules, there's so much times you want to use a strength seven. At the very basic level, if you're playing your ring wraith as a hurl down the lines, you're pretty much guaranteeing one or two extra models every hurl which is fantastic. It's two models knocked down against like a dwarf army or something like that that you need to knock them down to even consider doing damage. Fantastic. If you're going against another monster, if you're above their strength, you can do all kinds of things to them. You can hurl them. You can knock them down with your monstrous mount. So if you're going up against a troll or something that's strength six, amazing. Other, other ring race on fell beasts. Eagles, they're strength six, aren't they? Mm. So you can knock down eagles. You can do all kinds of wonderful things with it. Also on things like the rend, Suddenly you've got like a strength five character or something like that and you're hitting on a three plus or going against a battle line of all defense nine and suddenly you're hitting them all on a, a five plus. It really Yeah, my favorite help. thing about the Horned Fell Beast is when you like, you can then barge into defense seven heroes and reliably try and like give a good crack at killing them because you're only on fours. But I think, I think the biggest thing is not just the offense, but the defense, the strength seven actually provides you because it means dragons that charge you don't get charge bonuses or knock you down. Oh, yeah. Shelob that charges you doesn't get sh- yeah, she bonuses. Loved, yeah, yeah. Like, there's so many heroes that are strength seven that when they hit you, that's it. You're going to go down from it. But strength seven, you know, robs them of pretty much all their big, juicy hitting power. Yeah, and I often find that if you're buying a fully strength Felbis anyway, you're putting all the money into getting a fully fleshed out ring race anyway. So 25 points is not 25 points you're taking out of your ring race. It's coming out of something else in your army. So it's a couple guys. It's four models of something else. I think it's worth it. The defense one, though, have you ever taken an armor fell beast, Kylie? No, not personally, but I have seen other people take it to effect. Yeah, I this doesn't appeal to me at all. That's It's interesting because the point you just made on the defensive properties of the horned fell beast, I would say outweighs the plus one defense of the uh, armored fell beast. I'd say it's far more useful. Yeah, I think so because, look, if things are charging at strength at strength seven, they're going to be hitting you anyway. They can still rend against your... Like, big things can rend against your, your strength if you're defense 7. I guess it's nice against things like crossbows if you were worried about getting shot out. But yeah, even then, that's one shot on the rape say. and you're in trouble. So The um, Armored Fell Beast is really good for a Witch King or a um, Undying that has a lot of fate. And just basically hovering at the back of the board, you know, throwing out spells and just being really annoying and just trying to have high mobility. I like it on the Undying, actually. That's a good call. I like I like that idea because the Undying is not dying to Missile Fire. It just doesn't. So to have a Fel Beast that you can keep around for longer, it may be worth the extra couple points, especially because he's just incredible value. Yeah, I think either that, possibly the Witch King, uh, might be the options for the... Yeah, the ones who've yeah. got extra survivability. So not the ones yeah. that one lucky hit can kill almost reliably. You're definitely not going to be running the Tainted on a uh, Armored Fel Or the Dwemer-like. Or the Dwemer-like, yeah. Okay, so we talk about name ones. Let's talk about some name ones. I want to talk about some name ones. Give me a name ring name. Okay, quick. You uh, you've got 30 seconds to talk about the Witch King. Go. Um, he's greatest of the nine. Therefore, he's the strongest of the nine. I would always consider taking him over any of the other races. What's his role? I don't know. I, we've already been through this. That's I feel why I said flustered. short. Um, 
He can do anything that the other race already do. He can possibly be your best attacker with the with the Morgul Blade and the Crown. And see our other podcast. Yes. But he's yeah. he's he's your See our other podcast if you want details on the witch. He can get the most stats. He's he's the biggest one. So he gets gets the best of everything. So fantastic, but we're not gonna cover the Witch King in too much detail. But if you've got if you're only gonna take one ring race, the Witch King is an obvious choice. Like it's a good choice. Three twenty three okay. for its stats. I mean and so I've heard people say, oh, but he doesn't have any cool special rules. Uh, excuse me, the crown and the Morgul blade are effectively the special rules that he gets. He doesn't need special rules. He's so powerful and so ridiculously stupid with his three might, 20 will, and three fate. He doesn't need special rules because he's just bulky. He does, has all does the stats job. in the world. Right. The Shadow Lord. What's the deal with the Shadow Lord? What's the difference with the Shadow Lord? All right. So the Shadow Lord is probably by far the most taken... Actually, no, I'll take that back. He's the second most taken wraith, I think, out of all the wraiths. We've done studies, and we have we have got the documentation to prove this. Tabulated all the numbers. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very popular ring wraith. So, the difference between the Shadow Lord and his counterparts is, first off, he only has Courage 5. Ah, boo! But he's got 14 will. That's solid. Yeah. He, he's got 2, 14, 2. He's Courage 5. But his bread and butter special rule is the... Paul of Darkness. Paul of Darkness. Shots against the Shadow Lord or any model within six inches of him will only hit on the roll of a six. Yes. Good or evil models hitting? Any model. Any, any model. model. It can any be bulk. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's fantastic because this is your insurance against those people, once again the straw men, those people who don't put any terrain out on the table, so you've got to run across this board against elves. This is your go-to. Yeah. Suddenly they're hitting on a six. Suddenly your orc shooting is looking pretty effective. It's looking pretty decent. Elves might have to come at you. It's it's just a great force multiplier, really. It just helps you out, keeps your orcs alive. It keeps you... It shows you against Arrowfire. Keeps him alive. Mm. And if you're relying on Arrowfire and you come up against it, it can be absolutely brutal and and demeaning in some ways when you realize you can't do a single thing with all of your ranged power. Yeah, it's it's a really solid choice, and and that that special rule is just powerful. It's and it's automatic, so it's not like blinding light where you have to cast yeah. it and exhaustion and all that sort of stuff. It's just there, no casting it, done. Mm. The problem I find with the shadow lot is he only gets taken when, like you said, Jeremy, when for some reason you just don't have a lot of terrain in your like your your community or whatever. You just seem to not play with it. You tend to see him being taken much more all the when, time. Yeah, or just when your opponents take a lot of shooting and you just. Yeah, players, because they can't figure out strategies like marching at their opponent's shooting or using terrain, go for the easy option. And that's what I think the Shadow Lord is, is he's the easy option. Oh, without a doubt. It, you don't have to think about it. You put it in, you've got insurance against archers no matter what. It doesn't it doesn't like get better or anything. You can still use terrain and get in the ways and things, but it's just there. It's good. It's interesting. We'll see later on that uh, some of the named wraiths do not cast as well as the generic wraith, but the Shadow Lord is not one of them. He casts just as well... He's got a decent store of will. He's got the two might and the two fate. So he's effectively a generic wraith with this bonus rule. Yep. And for yeah, that's, I think, the main reason a lot of people are very willing to take him along. Yeah, mm. it does all the job, the other one, and just you've just got a bonus rule. watch out for the um, Courage 5. I have seen that bites people in the... Mainly uh, endgame. If you're trying yeah. to use him for a standfast battery, and suddenly you might fail one at the end when you've got one or two will left. So yeah, I, was, I was playing a game against Shadowlord before, and I, ha- I was running my Angmar, so I had the Witch King and stuff. That will battle basically amounted to nothing. I think the Witch King was down to like three will at the end of the game, and he was down to like two. And then right at the end of the game, on like one of the very last turns, the Shadowlord picks up his dice for a courage test, all confident-like, rolls the snake dice. Doesn't have enough will to boost. Off the table, he runs. Yeah, it does happen. I think, yeah, but you have to say that's a pretty rare occurrence, and honestly, it's a pretty, it's a fine trade-off most of the time. Oh, no, yeah. it's a good trade-off. It will bite you once in a lot of games, yeah, but yeah, the, the games. trade-off for the shooting is great, because he doesn't get sniped out that much, except for Legolas. Legolas loves to shoot this oh, guy down. Oh, Legolas loves seeing the Shadow Lord across the table. Yeah, just just all the, all the might target. done. Yeah, yeah. dead. And you, you're guaranteed to roll double ones on your fate. It's just a rule for the Shadow Lord when Legless hits you. Every time. Double one fate. Every guaranteed. Time. Also statistically proven. The Undying. The Undying. The Undying. How much will does the Undying have? I think he has 20 will. 20 will. 20, 20 will. will. And that's He's, not even all. Yeah. So when I said the Shadow Lord was the second most taken ring wraith, this is the, the most taken yeah, ring Yeah. If you want to be unoriginal, take the Undying. Because he literally, for 10 points extra, you get... 20 points of will, and this handy little special called Eternal Will Power. The Undying may expend his will points in the same manner as fate points. Yep, so you've got, 
you've got Will that can use his fate. And not only that, this Ring Wraith, unlike the others, has an Arcana Leech. So it can regain a will point for each magical power successfully cast by other heroes within six inches, good or evil. Good or evil. Enemy or a friendly. A spell is successfully cast. Cast? Doesn't matter about the resist, does it? No? I think you have to get it off. I think you can't have it resisted. Okay. We'll have to have to look up a word for that, but yeah. I'll take your word for it because you know those rules better than me. You've played with race more. But even then, you put another ring wraith in and suddenly the undying is getting more. You put a shaman in, you get some more points off fury. You, you can just start getting more will. You can end up spending 25 will, put in an arm with a necromancer. and, and He's you, particularly rude with Kardush the Firecaller. Yeah, he just he just survives. He doesn't he doesn't die. He's the most reliable one. He's ridiculous value in terms of points. Like I think this one is one of the ones that should that rule should have costed more than it. It's it's a no comparison. It's it's above it. It is, or, or at least drop it. his starting will down a bit more. To yeah, say fifteen. Yeah, yeah th- it makes no sense that he starts with twenty and has those rules. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't at all. I could see it being, okay, we'll just give you 16 because it's the will plus the fate of the other ones. But then yeah. to get an extra four that you can use as either is just is massive. Alternatively, if that was the Wraith with no might, we'll see later on there is uh, one Wraith with no might. If this was the one with no might, that would be fair. Yeah. It's a choice all of a sudden. It's still a good choice to take, but it's Absolutely. no longer the gimmick. But it's yeah, not a right. complete, you know, 100% every time. Yeah, because you don't get any punishment on the spells or the stats, do you, in this one? It's just... No. None at all. Yeah, that's it's, it's just, just a 10 go-to. points for extra will, utility, and unkillableness. Like, to take down the Undying, you're literally needing a coordinated effort from two big heroes. And I'm talking big heroes like Aragorn, Glorfendel, Caliborn, like your big end, even some of the big dwarf heroes. I don't know. I, I've heard there are a couple of heroes at around 90 points that can do the job. Yeah, you can do it, but it's almost like you kill everything else around it. And basically, Undying dies last. Yeah, yeah that, the problem that's is it. that's going to happen usually every time. the leader. Yeah. So you need to. That's right. So you're just probably point. not getting yeah. the leader kill unless you kill the rest of the army. It's it's what it does. And to counter your point, Matt, <laughs> about your point. So you're saying a couple of ring rates just to come in, like budget ring rates to come in and. Oh work. no! Oh no, Kylie! I'm saying a couple of Hasherin can walk in there and uh, kick his butt. That's what I'm saying. Like I said, a coordinated effort between a couple of highly <laughs> high damage output characters. Very good. Fair point. Fair point. So, yeah, it's a shame that he's such a, a cookie-cutter leader, I think, in my opinion. Uh, he's just a very easy take. But, you know, there we are. So, on to the next Wraith. And what have we got? Let's have a look here. The Tainted. Ah, the Tainted. He of the sixes to kill your own guys. The Tainted has two specials. His first one, which is probably his strongest, is Miasmic Presence. Warriors within six inches of the Tainted may not use Heroes Stand Fast, nor may they take part in heroic moves. Yeah, it's a really interesting rule, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's one that you can you can take advantage of, but can also hurt you if you mess it up. Yeah, because it affects your own troops as well. Mm. So you can stop your opponent from constantly getting on the drop on you. But by the same token, none of your guys can take advantage. Their priority becomes a big thing unless you have your own heroes in range. So it's a bit of an odd one. He also has Sleeping Decay. Start of the fight phase, roll a d6 for each model, friendly or enemy, in base contact. On the roll of a six, they suffer a wound. I love Sleeping Decay. I think it's a really great rule. Now, Jeremy will probably disagree with us. Probably, yeah. There there are some uh, pretty fantastic stories about uh, Jeremy's tainted killing his own troops, preventing him from getting kills on, say, Denethors that were his opponent's (laughs) leaders. I I do like the ability this gives him, because with those two rules, he clearly does want to be in combat at times. Mm. And he doesn't want to be near your army. So it's interesting that you made that point earlier about not jumping over the top of your lines with a, a general wraith to try and assassinate something. This might be a character that tries to do that. But only one might, though. It's, it yeah, can no, be pretty tricky. It's absolutely risky, but I, I don't know. I feel like having him in combat is worth it. I think also he's not as great at casting. Is that correct? No, no, no. He casts straight, straight and narrow. As David would call it. So like a normal wraith. Like a normal wraith. Oh, okay. That's that's not so bad then. That's yeah. all right. So what you do want to do then is keep him around for the late game. Yeah. Because mm. um, one one interesting thing about his Mazuk presence is, yes, you can't benefit from standfast, but Fury's not a standfast. Ah, So you take him with lots and lots of orcs with Fury, and the Fury just sits there going, well, my orcs passed Kairos death, so I don't need to worry about my standfast. And the Tainter's going, well, sucks to be your army because your army's now running away. 
And Fury is always more useful when, when you're doing those courage tests so that you can move the orcs in range first, get that Fury over to the rest of them, and then move everything else. Yeah. Yeah, so the, uh, that's nice plays there. Nice nice thinking. Yeah. That's an uh, interesting way to move your lines around there with the Tainted and to get the full benefit from his rule. Yeah, because you want it in late game. Because the other great thing about sleeping is, okay, is if your opponent manages to sneak one guy into you to drop his will, because he doesn't only have 12 wills, so his will doesn't last forever. If someone does manage to sneak a guy into you, off chance, one in six chance, you'll kill the guy before the combat, so you don't Don't lose a will. will. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Oh, that's fantastic. So, on to the next wraith. Yeah, so the next one we have is the Knight of Umber. I haven't run this one myself, but I've had it used very effectively against me by you. <laughs> yes, I'm a big fan of this one simply because unlike the other race, he has three might. Oh, that very useful third And ring race, the more might a ring race has, the better it is. So I actually placed this guy at number two behind the Witch King. Oh, wow. That's a big call. Yeah, no, That's it is. a really big call. Well, that third part of might wow. does that's, so much. That's ahead of the old cookie cutter undying. Yeah. Wow. Place undying number three. Please tell us why. Well, for starters, as I said, three points of might. He still has 14 will and two fate, so he's pretty good in that regard. He has a special called Armor of the Sundered Land. The Knight of Umbar loses, only loses a will point for having been in a combat that he loses. So, for example, his side doesn't win the dual roll to see which bias, which side strikes blows after the fight. Right, so he wins the combat, he doesn't lose any will. Very simple. Yep. Correct. So then he can take things like Horn Fell Beast and stuff. But his other great, fantastic rule is Combat Mimicry. At the start of the fight phase, the Knight of Umbar can elect to use the fight, strength, and or attack values of his opponent instead of his own. He does not need to adopt all the characteristics. He could, for example, only adopt fight. Now, this has been an FAQ that's A states, very interesting yeah, FAQ. Mm. The Knight of Umbar always copies his opponent's unmodified stats. The number that is on the page when you open the rule book. So you can do a cheeky thing against Aragorn and, you know, cast a transfix on Aragorn and charge into him and then copy his fight six, three attacks without, you know, suffering any negatives from it. And in that way, there's no way that he can strike up to fight six. The highest he could possibly get is five. Correct. Mm. And that's what makes him probably one of the strongest ring race because of that rule. Now, yes, he casts Crooked, uh, to use another David term. So he casts Drain Courage on a three. Uh-huh. Transfix on a four, sat will on a five, compel on a five, and black dart on a five. So everything except the black dart is at plus one. Yeah. Right. Uh, and sat will's on a plus two. Yeah. So what this will mean is to guarantee his spells, you're generally going to have to pop an extra will. However, because you are winning these combats, and you are winning these combats, oh, yes. you're not using as much. Correct. So yes, you you have to spend more will to cast your spells. But that's fine because you're not really spending your might to win combats. And if you're on a fell beast and you charge, you have three attacks. Say you use a heroic action as well, like a strike or something when you go into combat. You've now got two mites to win the combat. So that's three dice, reliably needing a four to win a combat. Suddenly you can do some really, really, really fancy takedowns. This is a really good juxtaposition with the uh, the Undying because the Undying, it's so thoughtless. It's it's really, really simple to pull off. But then the Knight of Umbar, its two rules do work together in the same way that uh, Arcana Leech and the... Sleeping Decay. And, no, no, no. The, sorry, the Undying, his uh, two special rules. Oh, yeah. The Arcana Leech and the one where he uses the will. Eternal, Eternal will power. Yeah, yeah. So those two rules obviously work really well together, probably a little bit too well. The Knight of Umbar's two, real, two rules also work really well together, but it does require good play. It requires you to really think about what you're doing when you're using him, and I like that a lot more. And the, the trade-off with the slightly worse spells, it's just perfect. It's mm. a really well-balanced model uh, that, you know, that rewards really good play. So I can see why it's your second highest. Yeah, and there's more. Not only is he in the mortal list, but he is also in the Harad list. Which... As we know, is a very powerful army. Yeah, and we didn't touch too much on this with the Tainted because the Tainted is also in Angmar, but Angmar's options are pretty much pretty exactly similar. the same as yeah. Mordor's, yeah. except for the Cave Troll. And let's be honest, Shade, for instance, you, yeah. you can take a Mordor Troll instead. Yeah, yeah, true. But the Knight of Umbar say be able to take, you know, leading Corsairs, leading Black Numenorians with the Castle of Umbar, leading those types of troops suddenly you get a different dynamic and flavor for your army whilst being still backed up with the ring rate without having to bring in the allied contingent. I really like the idea of him backed up by the Fight 5 uh, Castellans of Umbar. 
I think that's a really good army. It is fantastic. Yeah. And it's an army I ran myself. Mm, very nasty. Yeah. Him with Corsairs, actually, just as a rule, is really good. Because he teamed, what, he teamed double teams with um, Dalamir really well. Because Dalamir... Oh, really? Yeah. Because um, the Knight of Ungar goes in, like, throws a sat will or a transfix. That might get resisted. And the opponent will blow through their will. And then they'll forget about Dalamir. And then Dalmir sneaks into the combat as well, throws smoke bombs, and then They've got no will left. Yeah. yeah, very nice, very nice. Okay, what what have we got next? The next Ringwraith we have is another Rad Numbar Ringwraith. He is the Betrayer. Ah, oh, the Betrayer with his point. The Hasherin, the Hasherin Ringwraith. Yeah. One of my favorites, because I do love those Hasherin. Now, his Might, Will, and Fate is 2, 14, 2. He hasn't... His um, basic stats haven't changed at all. His magical powers did take a bit of a, a nerf hit, but interest, there's one little interesting thing about his magical powers. So he costs Drain Courage on a 3, Transfix on a 4+, Black Dart on a 5+, Sat Will on a 5+, but interestingly, his Compel is still on a 4+. Now, do you think that this was an oversight, or do you think this is by design? I reckon this is deliberate. Mm. Because the Betrayer has two really powerful special rules. The first is Bane of Kings. When the Betrayer strikes a model in close combat but fails to wound, he must re-roll the dice. So already you're looking at him going, I cast Compel on a 4+, plus and I re-roll to wound. That's incredibly powerful. And I can take a Foul Beast. Oh, yes. But better than that, he also has Master of Poisons. All models with poisoned arrows, poisoned darts... Poison Blade specials within six inches of the Betrayer must reroll failed to wound rolls of one or two. Oh, that is so brutal. And this includes the Venom Blade Knights as well. That is so... Yeah, that was FAQ'd, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm, that is incredibly powerful. Not just the Venom Blade Knights, but I'm thinking the Serpent Guard slash Serpent Riders as well. Yeah. Of course, all Haradrim Archery, as we know, is poisoned. He is scary in like a, a really heavy Serpent Guard army with like watches or something or even just basic haradrim with bows and just haradrim gun line with reroll ones and twos and you just rip them to shreds and then once they get close to you you're rerolling ones and twos in combat now i've recently uh as many people know have been running some hashari hasharin i don't know how you, how you pronounce the the plural of hasharin but i've been running several of them in an army and i'm thinking i might have to upgrade I might have to upgrade to the Betrayer. Going in there with a Fell Beast and re-rolling everything to wound, you're going to kill things. You're oh, going to flat out kill a lot of things straight up. But there's not many heroes that could take that. Yeah, and the heroes that are taking that are things like the Necromancer, Castellans, and even Castellans, I'm thinking. Ooh. Yeah, even then, I mean... You're probably going to roll two or three sixes. You're going to take a decent chunk of will off them if you're getting into them. It's probably not. That's probably not the best example because you can, of course, sap will them as well. But yeah, there are other other heroes. I'm thinking just the big, more standard heroes. Things the three, like three three uh, heroes. Yeah, and even the high defense ones because then you can rend. I'm pretty sure. Can you yeah. still get the rule with that? Yeah. Yeah. So a big dwarf hero that would normally laugh at a ringwraith on a felbis and just not worry about it all that much. Well, you look at someone like Durin, and Durin's going, crap, I'm probably going to take six wounds from this guy. Mm. I really need to roll some, some magic hat saves here. Absolutely. This this Ringwraith on Felbeast will go into a lot of things and just straight out take them off the board. Mm. And then you look at models that have multi-wounds, such as Drakes, Dragons. Oh, yeah. it can even get Shelob. Yeah. He's a Ringwraith. And a lot of those big multi-wound models have special rules where they have to take courage tests to see if they stick around or, you know, have some big vulnerabilities that the Ringwraith can just suddenly go, sat will, and just take him out of the game that way. Might even be a really good option for Horn Felbis too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Mm. Strength 7 with rerolls. Nasty. <laughs> Nasty. All right. What have we got left? So the next one we're going to go to is... <sighs> I really don't want to have to talk about this Ringwraith, but we're going to... <laughs> It's the Dwimmerlake. Ah, the Dwimmerlake. Now, he's in the Angmar list, as well as the Mortal list. And he has some special rules that are kind of rude. He's a poo, to put it nicely. Yeah. He's an absolute poo. So, his might, will, and fate is he has zero might, so he's a ring ramp with no might. 16 will, two fate. And he also, for some reason, has a two-handed sword. So... Why not? Sure. Go pick. Yeah. Uh, We should actually point out, the Undying has a staff as well. Not that anybody cares, because you're never going to use that. Yeah. It's a thing. It's a thing. So he has Sat Fortitude. Whenever an enemy model spends a point of might, will, or fate within 12 inches of the Dimmer Lake, roll a d6. On the roll of four or more, 
an extra might point of the same type must be spent or the deed is cancelled. So that's 50% of the time you have to pay an extra stat. Yeah, and the might will in fact committed are lost if you cannot use an extra point of that yeah. stat. So if you only have the one might or the one fate on a one, two, three, you just straight up lose it for mm-hmm. nothing, for absolutely nothing. And that is why he's a poo. Yeah. Because he does that to you. And that's he takes kinda... away things that you've paid for with your hard-earned points that you have for that game. And mm-hmm. he makes them completely useless. Yeah, and that's probably the reason why he has zero might, so he can't modify that role. Yeah, but true, true. He's one of those ones that just, he prevents gameplay. He just makes the game more boring and more static, because suddenly your opponent can never spend any of their resources and use any of their tricks, because this guy is like, no, having none of that. At what point does the role occur to see if an extra extra stats must be used? Whenever a point of might will of fate is spent. Now, there's been some debate about, so you use a point of might, you roll four plus, then you use another point of might, and then you get to roll four plus for that point of might. Ah, no, of course no, not. No, no. I think you got to draw the line there. Like, it's very ambiguous either way, but if you're taking the Doom Lake, you've already got this amazing special rule at your disposal. Don't make your opponent want to slap you yeah, more than they already greedy. do. Don't get greedy. Don't get so, greedy. So, I actually, uh, what I thought you were going to point out was a different thing. Uh, the Taskmasters, how would they interact with this? Now, Taskmasters are really, really cool. Because if you call a heroic action and you roll the Whip of Masters, if you roll a 4+, plus, the action's free, so you don't spend any mine. Which means it would bypass the Sat Fortitude special. Ah, very good. However, if you fail it, you then have to spend two mine. Ah, uh, I see. Mm. Uh, assuming they, they yeah. the Dwemelike rolls the 4+. plus. Or assuming yeah. the Dwemelike rolls the 4+. plus. So you got this really cool mechanic. And this mechanic also applies to things like um, uh, Nasil. That's the one I'm thinking of. Oh, of course. So, yeah, Alinda's that Nassil, is a free might point. Free heroic action. Ah, I see. Same with uh, Thorn Oakenshield. Free mm. heroic action. You don't spend might for it. Yeah, so these Even are instances th- where you're not using a stat at all. I've got another one. Uh, what about the the spells for the Stormcallers when you roll a six? How does that work? That's a tough one, that's, isn't that's it? That's a tough one yeah, because yeah, you, yeah. Spend three, you spend three will. Yeah, but then you get it all back. But then you, you don't. You don't lose the will that you've just spent. So perhaps, Correct. perhaps you have already spent it. Yes. And so your opponent. You so the Dwemelake would roll a four plus for each will point. Yep. And make you double it, which would then determine how much will you get to roll. And then if you roll a six, you get all the will point you spent back. So you get all three points back. Right. Right. Interesting. I think that's how it would work. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a funky one. That's, that's kinda, a funky one. Yeah. Also, Al Young is another one that bypasses a special rule. Very good. Mm-hmm. Because he, um, of course, can just go, yeah, I rolled a four plus myself. My might point isn't spent. Yeah. And, and of course, things like free fate points where you're not actually yeah. spending any stats. Yep. All good. All good. Okay. Well. The, and free the will points like, too. I actually, you know what? When you, when you think about it, it's not so bad. You have the trade-off of no might. Yeah. Okay. So while you are taking might away from your opponent, you, you don't have any yourself. And you're paying a, a fair few points for him. Yeah. So, yeah, for no might at all, it costs quite a bit. But you're banking on the fact that you're going to take at least two might points off your opponent, or you're going to stop them from some spells, or you're going to waste their fate. Something like that. Mm. And I've I've never seen a game in which he hasn't been useful. Yeah, the 12-inch like distance is kind of annoying, but whenever I play against the Dwemelite, I always go into super conservation mode and just don't spend any stats. And just don't spend anything, don't do anything, stay out of his range for as long as possible, make him commit one way. And then once he gets a vulnerability, once he's a bit out of position, boom, go in and then you just spend all the stats once he's gone. But even then, that's interesting because the Dwimmer-like is then making you play a certain way. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, as I said, no matter what, he usually will affect the games. Mm-hmm. I, I have not seen a game where he has not had some sort of effect. One model that does break him down quite well is Floey, because Floey can actually stand outside the 12 inches yeah. and still stop his rule. I think more importantly, Floey can stay out of his line of sight. Yeah, that too. Using terrain. So you can yeah. duck out, zap the special rule, and give you a sort then, of your dwarf army three turns of grace against him. Yeah, absolutely. And that's all the turns that a dwarf army needs as well. Yeah, you yeah. just go ham on those three Bang. turns, and then who knows, maybe you'll kill another multi-wound model, get a will point back on Floey, and he can give you a couple of extra turns of grace as well. Yep, too easy. Okay, uh, I think that covers the Dwimmer like then. 
Yeah, next we have the Easterling of Kamul, also known as Kamul the Easterling, the Ringwraith from the East. My my personal favourite. I've run this guy so many times. So I he love him. also gets seen a lot of play simply because he's in the He was in the uh, Battle realms. Games in Mink quite early on. So yeah. And he's in the a lot um, of people have him. Eastern Realms Army list. So he can lead Easterlings and Khan, which is really, really, really useful. So Kamul's special role is Essence Leech. If Kamul causes a wound, he instantly regains a point of will for each wound he caused, unless that will point is saved. Unless that wound is saved with a fate point. This ability cannot take him above his starting will total. So we see another ring wraith which has that regenerate ability. Yeah. And this one's probably the most difficult to pull off. But it also forces you in a mode of play where you're actually getting a lot for it. You're not just getting that extra will point back, you're doing damage to your opponent too. Yeah, and there's been coined he's been coined as well as the rechargeable battery yeah because when he kills something he gets more points back so i think with kamal you pretty much have to take him out because if you get him out you get that extra attack so you can get the extra will points back and actually recharge him up really easily so fell based are really good for him and interestingly even once he's lost his mount you can still chuck a couple of pikes behind him yeah and he can still regen that will so yeah. I, I've always found Kamul to be a very hit or miss wraith. I think he can he can do so much if you can get uh, on a roll and just start killing a lot of things in a row. But then, you know, if you get stuck for a few turns, you get bogged down, you can't quite win those combats, you can lose him quite quickly. And he also has that unfortunate inability to cast spells properly. Yeah, he casts spells crooked, as David mm. would say. So he's Drain Courage on a 3, Satwill on a 4, Transfix on a 4, Compel on a 5, Black Dart on a 6. So also one other thing we should mention, his Essence Leech special also has a secondary effect. In addition, Kamal may spend a single point of will at the start of the fight phase before heroic actions are resolved to increase either his strength, fight, or attacks value by one for the remainder of the fight phase. He may only expend a single point of will in this way each turn. So useful. Incredibly useful. The fight six is huge. It's huge. It's massive. And... I think the way that it works is if you are going to do, say, a heroic strike, right? Yeah. That will occur first. Yes. So then you effectively have that plus one sitting in the back just in case you need it. Mm-hmm. So I use the attacks quite a bit, especially when he gets charged or um, like if he's not on the fell beast or whatever. I think it's... Yeah, if he gets knocked off the fell beast or if he's on yeah. horse even. That, of course, will give you your best chance to regain the will because you just got more yeah, opportunities yeah, to more, do it. More opportunities to roll yep. the die. Yeah. Of course, if he's on the Fell Beast, the strength and the attacks are useless. So so it's the fight value that you want to get. Yeah. So I think the biggest selling point for Kamal, though, is his ability to lead Eastling Warbands because it makes him so potent because then you can stick a, uh, a Eastling Warpriest behind him so he suddenly gets Fury, you can Blade Wrath him, and even his mount gets Fury as well. So you get all these little extra little bonuses just by taking Eastern Realms with him. Hell, he even gets Amdor's reroll. Yeah, that, that's yeah. really good. And the what I like about him is once you put him on a foul beast, he's a he's a really good Kikili Wraith. Like he can go there, he can do what a lot of the others do that hitters, but he's very flexible in that. If you don't focus on the spells too much, and you consider it being maybe you only take the bottom spells. Like you don't bother the black dart, you don't really bother the compel, you do okay, I've got my arsenal is drain courage, sap will transfix. That's enough. And yeah, I'm throwing one die at yeah. them. Yeah, that's I how think, I always found him at his best. Yeah, because he regenerates well when he gets wounds. I sort of treat him in the same way as the um Knight of Umbar. The Knight of Umbar yeah. in that if you want to cast a spell, you gotta chuck an extra couple of will points into it to get it So if you really desperately need a com to a compel to go off to say win you the game, kill an enemy hero, throw five at it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If you kill that hero, you're gonna get three of it back. Yep. So very handy, very handy when uh even though he's got that crooked spell casting, again, he has that ability to regain the will and it's just two rules that work really well together. Or a, a positive and a negative that balance each other out really nicely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, as you said before, the main selling point for Kamul is the fact that he can be taken in that uh, Eastern Kingdoms list, Eastern mm-hmm. Realms, whatever it's called, with the Eastlings and the Khan. You're probably not going to see him too often outside of that. No. For, for some reason, you just wouldn't take him in Mortar because the other wraiths are more useful for Mortar armies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are some better options to Kamul. Kamul is a really fun option to use. But it, it's not easy. It's not easy to use him. No. No. So the very last race we have is the Dark Marshal. And he's got some pretty crazy special rules on him. Yeah. Fight six. Fight six is the uh, big one. So he's one of only two races that have fight six. Dark Marshal looks around at Kamal. What are you What are you spending your will points yeah, for? Yeah, exactly. Just, just train up. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Fight, fight six is fantastic. 
the rule through fear is fantastic as well, where the evil warriors, not heroes, warriors, not heroes, are within six inches. It is massive. Six inches is is huge. Of the Dark Marshal count as they, they are in range of a banner. So you've huge, got an incredibly massive, mobile banner effect. Yeah. Six inches doesn't sound like much, but when it's going either way outside from a fell beast base, it's freaking huge. Speak for yourself. It's a, it's a good size. So, so basically <laughs> what you're saying is you're paying 10 points for one plus fight value and basically two banners. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's more like three banners, really. When you think about the whole range that it covers in the end. Yeah, but... Yeah. I'm saying, yeah. It's a lot yeah. of banner range. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but huge you can, banner range. Yeah, yeah, but you can get similar effects with two banners placed around the yeah. wrong side because they both have the three inches either side of it. So, that look, it's just... It's fantastic. It's He's a good leader. Ringwraith does really well. And he's one that you would find in different lists. Like, you've yeah. got no problem taking him in, in any army, really, because it's not just specific to orcs or one thing or whatever. It's just all your warriors. The only time you really wouldn't consider taking him as much, maybe in an all-hero army. Maybe. But even then, if, say, you're taking, say, four or five ringwraiths on foul base, you probably want to take him because he's got a built-in fight six. Yeah, the main reason is if you're coming up against elves, he just saves your will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He's sold as anything. And he looks really fantastic. The model itself looks really good. The armor, and he's very distinctive, and they've done a good job of all the ringwraiths. But I do like the Dark Marshal. Believe it or not, I didn't like it at the start. I thought his, his horse looked incredibly spindly, but I think it's because the angle they've got it on with the head turned, it's not the best angle in the I'd, world. I'd say the same about his helmet. I didn't like it initially, but I quite like once tainted, I saw the model. The Tainter's pose as well as another really... I've said that before. Oh, Tainter looks great. That's yeah, why you think he looks good. He looks amazing. Is that all of them? That, we've That's covered every wraith now. Oh, Except for wow. the Witch King, but we already have an episode on him. Oh, See our stuff. old episode. It's great. Maybe. I can't remember. Buckets of good. fish. Back Maybe we should finish. do a deal where, where we give them this episode and that episode for like half price each or something. Yeah, great idea. So we bundle half them of, together. So half of zero, how much is that? Zero. Zero? Okay, perfect. So zero is the cost. So three units of non-profit to us. And That's exactly it. Yep, beautiful. <laughs> I like the ring race. They're fun. All right. They're fantastic models. They are. They're so good. Both. Both are so just all aspects. They're exactly what you imagine like, when you read if, the books. If you have, if you have a ring wraith on the ta- table, and this is the other thing as well, whether on fellow beast horse or whatever, any passerby who walks past your game knows exactly what that model is. It yeah. is a ring wraith. Yeah. Like there's, there's no, there's no like, what's this model? What's this army you're playing on? Oh, you have a ring wraith. Yeah, it's iconic. I'm, really, you're isn't playing it? Lord of the Rings for the entire yeah. series. It's iconic. Oh, absolutely, yeah. and. You get so many other games that just copy this idea because it's such a fantastic idea and they just don't do it as well. It's just wonderful. So go use your wraiths if you've got them. Go get them before they all disappear from the online store if you wanted to pick up some of the name ones because we know that everything's going to disappear. So if you want it, go get it. They're good. They're fun. All right. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. And remember, Traps Win Games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.